It's a special edition of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded outside of the Apple event on September 9th, 2015. Clockwise, four guests, four topics that are about the Apple event that we just went to, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that's standing in the middle of San Francisco. I am your host, Jason Snell, and across from me in a little circle of us standing out here in San Francisco is my co-host, Mr. Dan Morin. I noticed we spared no expense on this studio, Jason. Don't you like the trees? They're very uh, arboreal. They provide us with needed shade. And oxygen. To uh, my left, one of our two special guests from uh, San Francisco, it is Imor's own Miss Serenity Caldwell. Hello, Jason. Welcome back to Clockwise. Thank you for having me. It's, it's good, exciting. Good to see you in person. Yes, you as well, outside under trees. Under trees. And to my left, it's the Wirecutter's own Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great, Dan. Thanks for asking. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we I feel like we did this podcast a year ago, and nothing bad ever happened after that. <laughs> Uh, but we're not in Dan Frakes' house this time, so maybe the jinx is, uh, is over. So Apple event, lots of stuff happened. We should talk about it. Uh, let's start with the big, uh, the big one. They saved it for last. Apple's biggest product by far, the iPhone. We, we got the iPhone 6S and the iPhone 6 Plus. Um, 6S Plus. 6S Plus, sorry. You can't have enough modifiers. 6S Plus S plus Y. Uh, so what, what, are, what are our thoughts about the, uh, the new features? We got the, uh, we, there's, uh, there's 3D touch. Uh, there, there's uh, like lots of crazy stuff in these new iPhones for a, um, you know, again, they look exactly the same, but they got upgraded cameras. They got some other stuff. Um, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Serenity? You know, uh, the feature that I got the most excitement from, at least in my friends list, uh, was I had three different people, amusingly all men, say, I really want the rose gold iPhone 6, uh, 6S, which is really more of a light pink iPhone. But apparently that color has, uh, has deep, uh, deep inspirational feeling for, for some folks. But for me, 3D Touch is, is the, the big excitement. I really like what Apple's done with Force Touch on the Apple Watch and the fact that they're moving it onto the iPhone in a smart way with contextual menus, especially from the home screen. This is a great way to sort of improve the home screen without having to reinvent the wheel and tear everything down from scratch. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, I agree that 3D Touch is the big feature. Uh, playing with it a little bit in the hands-on area afterwards, uh, it's kind of addictive. Like you start doing it, and you're like, oh, what, what else can I press on? Uh, and so you start like going through and trying all the different links, all the different apps, and trying to see where it has useful features. And it's it's actually quite well done. It takes a little bit getting used to um, because you're not used to having to deal with pressure when tapping things on the phone. In fact, for me, it was like, I feel like I'm going to break it if I'm like really pressing really hard. Um, so it's, but it's super cool that it adds all these, like not just these contextual abilities, but also in the mail app and the messages app, being able to like glance at things and peek at them before actually like going into a full mail message view or a message view uh, or even a web tab in Safari. So I think that's going to add a lot and it certainly is the biggest change to multi-touch that we've seen since the uh, introduction of the iPhone. I'm going to join the crowd here and say the 3D Touch. It's um, unlike on the i, uh, unlike on the iWatch, the Apple Watch. <laughs> too many things. Unlike on the Apple Watch, where it's actually you pressing or you're not. It's more like on the Force Touch trackpads, where there's different levels of pressure sensitivity. So you press a little bit to get one action, and you press a lot harder to get another one. And like Dan said, some of them are really useful. You press a little bit on a URL, and you get a full screen preview of that URL and press a little harder and it actually opens it. Uh, and we were only there for what, like five minutes? 
And as soon as we were done, I was walking around with my real phone going, why won't this work? <laughs> it, it actually, it's, once you start using it, it's that quick. Yeah, the, the, the concept that they talked about, the peak and pop, which I think is interesting, where a lot of times uh, the gesture that you do is you press uh, with this 3D touch, the, for, the force press, essentially, and it pops up a preview pane. And if it you like... It peaks a preview pane. It peaks, <laughs> yes, it, right. It peaks, you peak at a preview, and then if you press a little bit harder, it pops all the way open. And I think that's a really nice, clever thing. I, we, look, there were rumors about this, uh, uh, and we all were trying to conceive of what this thing would be like. And I think one of the, the impressive things about, um, about how it's been implemented, right? It's in the details. And a lot of the details here seem pretty natural, pop, whether it's popping up on icons in the home screen or whether it's the whole peak and pop thing where you're getting a faint little bit of a taptic engine tap mm -hmm. when you when you do it and then like if you like what you see you can burrow in also you can oftentimes swipe from those those peak screens to yeah. perform some basic uh, actions, which is also pretty clever. So again, I, I think it shows you, I mean, they said it on stage, but, it, but it, there's truth to it, that the integration of the software with this hardware feature, how do you, what's the metaphor here? Um, I thought that was really strong. And it, it, I was really kind of skeptical about how they were going to implement this. And it, it feels pretty good. It, 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 I think they did a good job. And I look forward to seeing how developers embrace it because it's going to, for it to be really great, the third party developers need to embrace it too. All right, that's one topic down. Topic number two, I think I think we might have a couple about the iPad Pro, <laughs> and I suspect that given Serenity's interest in uh, styluses and things, that the iPad Pro is going to be your topic. Am I right? Gosh, Am I right? Am I yeah, right? yes, you are right. You are right. I um, This is a moment that I've only been waiting for since the original iPad launched. I think it was one of my first 10 articles at Macworld when I started writing about, oh, you know, it would be great if there was a pressure-sensitive stylus because then the iPad could take on the Cintiq and it would be awesome, and then it never happened for years and we had to make do with third-party styluses which are so-so and some have better implementations and some have worse implementations but now we have the Apple Pencil or we will soon have the Apple Pencil uh, in about two months uh, and I am really pumped and a little bit nervous <laughs> I think uh, aside from crumpling wrapping paper on the bottom there uh, I think that the pencil is a huge opportunity, first of all. The fact that Apple has even gone into this area and said, you know what, we want to make a pressure-sensitive stylus. We want to include this with our professional-level iPad. We are re-engineering the screen and the pen to make everything uh, much better for artists. Uh, we, are, we are going to go into that environment. That, that makes me really excited, and I think there's a lot of potential in it. There are also some pitfalls, but before I talk about those, Dan, what do you think? Uh, well, as somebody who has terrible handwriting, I think using a stylus feels like going backwards to me and is also a terrible artist. But I really think that they clearly have spent a lot of time thinking about what makes a good stylus. And of course, the tricky thing here is that right years ago when Apple introduced, I'm pretty sure it was the original iPad, Steve Jobs sort of lambasted the idea of styluses, saying if you see a stylus, they, they blew it, right? So Apple in its traditional Apple fashion has decided, well, well, nobody did it right. Now we're doing it right and styluses <laughs> are a great idea. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, you know, anti-stylus baggage to sort of overcome because if they were, you know, not so good, why are you doing one now? But I think Ren's points are right. There's a lot that we can, can be done when you marry. And, and this is a theme that came up multiple times today is the combination of software, hardware, and design. And that's what Apple does so well that they can actually leverage all of those things together to make a more effective product. Um, and they talked to us a little bit in the hands-on area about all the sensors behind the pixel and like just how precise those are and how they can harness that. And the fact that, you know, since only the iPad Pro has the that 
that setup, essentially, it's the only thing that it will work with at all. So being able to marry all those things together into sort of one cohesive pass- package is one of Apple's great strengths. Uh, and I think that to people who want a stylus, the Apple Pencil seems like it may be positioned as the one to beat. As often happens with Apple stuff, they have the benefit of several or many years of seeing how people actually use the product before they come out with something. So whereas every vendor says, oh, we're going to make a stylus and it's going to be just like your finger. Apple says, well, why would you want one just like your finger? Well, don't you want one that draws well and that writes well? And and so they've now had that, that, that background and all that experience with that. Um, and like Dan said, they have the big advantage of hardware and software together. Uh, they told us at the event that you know, every pixel in the iPad Pro screen actually has a sensor circuitry in it. So uh, other other stylus makers can use a normal capacitative stylus, but they can't use those sensors the way this one can. So it seems like if you're going to have it, like Dan said, this is going to be the one to have. Um, but as with some of the Bluetooth ones, every it'll work with any app out of the box, but some will need to be updated in order to take care to take advantage of things like pressure sensitivity and angles and stuff like that so it'll be a while before i think we can see everything it can do but it seems like they're on the right track that's the advantage of being the platform owner is you can you can uh you can integrate things into the hardware that only your device takes advantage of (laughs) which is kind of unfair for uh, then again you know this only was for the ipad pro so i think those other styluses aren't going to disappear they're just going to be on the other ipads only um i have nothing else to say about styluses because like dan i uh, pens are my enemy and uh (laughs) you know i'm going to yield the rest of my time to the uh starter of this question Serenity. Yeah, um, so I, I agree with you. I think that third-party styluses will continue to be uh, A-OK on the other iPad models. I actually, th- I also think that because Apple is doing something new and exciting um, in terms of technology, uh, we don't yet specifically know what uh, the uh, sort of under-the-hood mechanics are between what makes the pen work and what makes the screen work. And as I think we learn more about that, stylus makers might be able to, they either, Apple might be giving them APIs to integrate, Apple um, may just say nothing and they may figure out how to incorporate some of the stuff on their own. Uh, But what you said, Dan, I think is really interesting in that uh, Apple... I think that Apple will be able to make all of the apps work out of the box. Unlike third-party apps, which have to have an SDK for their stylus to work with other apps, uh, because Apple has the the power of integration in hardware and software, I think they're going to be able to make everything work out of the box. And that is a huge potential excitement for, for artists. Well, and then you're, you're adopting an API that is the platform API, maybe, instead of some pen vendor's API. And that's a much more powerful argument to make. Yes. All right, that's two down. I suspect we have more to say about the iPad Pro. I, I, I'm more of a keyboard person myself. Maybe we'll get there. Uh, we're, we have two questions down, two more to go. Uh, questions, topics, whatever. This is not a game show, right, Dan? Ten points, Jason. Okay, thank you. Uh, but before that, at the halftime sponsor at Clockwise, it's FanDuel. This is it, finally, the biggest week of, week of the year. Yes, the iPhone event is part of that, but also, perhaps, the opening week of the NFL regular season. If you're a fan of football and fantasy sports, you need to check out FanDuel. Everybody's playing, and I've been playing fantasy football for years in the traditional style where you set your lineups every week and you go through a whole season. That's a lot of fun. But then there's FanDuel, which is the leader in one-week fantasy football. You pick players, you use a salary recap um, in order to you can't just have all the stars you got to pick based on your knowledge and also based on a salary cap how do you balance it some stars some scrubs maybe a bunch of mid-range players that are are, are poised for a breakout Uh, and then uh, you uh, see what points they accumulate and you can win big money it's easy to build a team entry fees start at just a dollar they're paying out more than 75 million dollars a week this football season Uh, so if you have not yet built a team for week one 
give it a try at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, and click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code CLOCKWISE and sign up now. And there's a special offer for new new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code CLOCKWISE. Don't forget to use the code, code CLOCKWISE. FanDuel.com every day is a new season. F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Dan, halftime's over. Time for the second half kickoff. Football reference. What's the topic? Well, I'm going to kick off this fifth inning, second period. Oh, it's the third quarter. Just go, go. Uh, So the other big thing that got showed off today that I think a lot of people were really anticipating is a brand new Apple TV. Uh, This got kind of sandwiched in the middle there, but I think it was to my mind at least, the most interesting of the announcements discussed today. TV sandwich. TV sandwiches are delicious. Um, And that's perhaps because the Apple TV has been, it's been so long since we've seen a substantial update to the set-top box. Uh, And Tim Cook really started off with no uh, small amount of hyperbole declaring this the reinvention of television and how we're totally going to improve it and make it so much better. Uh, Is that maybe, maybe not. There are some features I'm impressed with and other ones that I'm a little wary for, but I'm, I'm excited about the potential but I will turn the question over to you, fellow panelists. Is this the reinvention of TV as we know it, or is this just more of the same? Well, I'll say that for a lot of people, what's really going to matter is the content. If they can't get ESPN in their networks or whatever, they're still going to have their TV in their traditional you know, connectivity, whether that's cable box or over the air or whatever. But um, in terms of someone coming out with a set-top box that handles online services and apps and things like that, you know, Roku's pretty much owned this market, and this, I think, gives the Roku uh, a run for its money, especially in a few months when iOS developers have had time to say, okay, I want my apps on there. Uh, you've got such a huge developer user base, I should say, developer base, is that a, is that a, is that a term? Yeah. Developer base that Roku and no, no other one can even touch that I think, at least on the app side, uh, it's way ahead right out of the box. But um, that and the Siri search, voice search is actually something that I never thought I would want to use. But after seeing it, it looks pretty cool. So I think the statement they made about the future of TV being apps is such a smart statement to make if you're Apple. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's smart. <laughs> and it's smart for two reasons. One is that huge developer da- base that, that Dan Frakes was just talking about. Um, ro- I, have, I have a Roku. I have a Fire TV. Fire TV, at least they can co- sort of like there's some Android apps that they can connect um, that can make it worthwhile. But, um, but Roku, you know, they've got some apps, but it's like there's not a burgeoning Roku developer community. I know there is one, but it's small. And being able to take uh, to leverage the iOS community, huge. That's a huge, that, that's a huge thing. Um, and then the second thing is, if you're making a box that is in input input two, right? It's not the, a box where you can stream all the content and you don't need a cable box anymore. And that is where all of these boxes still play. If you're in that space, yes, say that it's all about apps because you don't have the other thing. You don't have the non-app stream that is TV, linear TV. So it's smart. Make it about your strength, which is apps on demand, um, and not just the games, but also on-demand video content, like we saw from uh, especially the Major League Baseball demo that we saw. But also, you know, you know HBO will be there and Showtime and Hulu and Netflix. So uh, smart. I think it's really smart. How well it'll do, we'll see. But um, they haven't had a competitive product in a while now, and now they do. So that's exciting. I agree a hundred percent. I think that universal search is my biggest oh, has yeah. been my biggest want for for years and years and years. 
Um, and now that it's finally here, I or almost here, I am so psyched to use it properly, especially that it's Siri integrated. I love the fact that Siri is on demand with a button and not with a Ahoy telephone command because Good. that would be very, uh, very frustrating given all of the various devices in our homes. You know, Phil Schiller Ahoy telephoned everybody today. Oh, yes, I know. Mm. I know. Between that and the stand and the stand beeps. Uh, no, I, I'm really pumped. I think that gaming is a huge potential avenue there, although I do know that we're, it's going to interact, of course, with the iPhone if you want to do multiplayer and you're talking about AirPlay extensions and that kind of fun stuff. Um, so there's, there, you know, there's some kinks to work out, but I love the direction they're going in. When I was sitting watching this with a couple of friends, we kept on looking over to each other every five seconds being like, just take my money, like <laughs> take, take all of it, give it to me now. Alas, we have to wait. Alas. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of things that was very exciting. I mean, the uh, addition of Siri uh, is obviously a huge one um, because the ability to actually... Uh, the ability to actually talk to your television rather than having used, you know, be restricted to a remote is, I think, really opens up the options of what you can do. Uh, because a remote's really limited to, like, just sort of like, oh, directional buttons. It's a very hierarchical system. That's what we had on the Apple TV for years. It was a lot like using an iPod. And that's not really a great way to navigate television. Using apps makes much more sense. Um, like we were talking about with content before, uh, because, you know, people go where the content is, the fact that you can leverage your huge app platform in order to say, we have all this content, and if we don't, we can have somebody d develop content for it is, is a big deal. And so the universal search in, in also is, I'm a big fan of that because clicking through all those different apps and trying to find, oh, God, I want to watch that show, but is it, for, oh, God, I could pay on iTunes, but oh, I can watch on Hulu with ads. Oh, it's on Netflix, but you don't find that out for like 10 minutes. And by that point, everybody's lost the will to live. So I, I think there's a lot of great improvements there. And more to the point, because they're investing in it as a platform with an operating system, then it's even more important in terms of saying, hey, Let's um, you know. Let's actually invest in this as a product going forward that is has a long lifetime uh, and is something we're going to keep working on. Well, and I also just like the fact that they they seem to have made the series smart. So you can say, "Show me all James Con or James Con Sean Connery's movies," and then it shows you a list, and you say, "Just show me James Bond," and then it it does the search further, narrows it down within that. And I think that's actually the kind of thing that you're likely to do rather than wanting to have them redo the search over and over. Yep, sounds good. Dan, you satisfied? I'm totally satisfied. Mr. Frakes, what's your topic? Well, this is also the iPad Pro, and uh, if those of you... As, for, as was foretold! <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And, you know, there's a lot of debate over whether the iPad is truly a productivity device or a consumption device, and I think Apple today has clearly said, you know what? This one is a productivity device. I mean, they came out with... It, 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 they talked basically about creation. That's all they talked about, yeah. and the stylus and, and a keyboard. Like... <gasps> How long has the iPad been around now? Five years? Is this five years now? Yeah, five years. And yep. they have never done their own keyboard. Sure, they made their old wireless keyboard work with it. They let it work with it. It's hey, probably the better Keyboard word. dock. <laughs> oh, that was, was the original true. keyboard yeah. dock. They did have a keyboard dock. For the so, first generation. Wow, how soon we forget. But in general, they've let third parties handle that. Yeah. With the iPad Pro, they've actually, not only do they have a keyboard, but they even have a keyboard docking connection, power and docking connection. I'm just wondering, so does this make you see the iPad as any more 
of a productivity device and what do you think about the keyboard? I felt, you know, I feel like it's already a productivity device. I've used it with an external Bluetooth keyboard. I think this is nice. I'm a little disappointed that the that the keyboard is only built, at least for now, for the iPad Pro, although I understand why just from a width standpoint that it sort of needs to be that width uh, in order to work well. It's obviously Apple's take on the Surface keyboard. Um, you know, Microsoft did this a, a few years ago. Much more necessary on the Surface since it's much more of a PC. Um, I think it's interesting, though, that this is still an iPad, still just runs iOS, but it is uh, more of a PC than we've ever seen from the iPad before. So I thought the keyboard felt okay. I mean, I would never choose it over a mechanical keyboard, but you can't fold a mechanical keyboard over and make it the cover, um, at least not easily. There are some third-party add-ons that'll do it, but you know, you, there are trade-offs with all of these things. But I thought it felt pretty good. felt a lot like the MacBook keyboard. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that they're I'm glad that they're finally doing it. I wish they had done it years ago. Um, and uh, you know, I I welcome it. I think that it's the the fact that the what is it the the in landscape there's a you can fit the portrait of the Air two on the screen almost, with almost with, two, with room for yeah. another app on the side that's almost as big. That's pretty amazing. So unfortunately, you have to copy and paste between them. You can't drag and drop that. Maybe iOS 10 for that. Anyway, I'm I'm excited about it, um, and I think it's a pretty good keyboard for what it is. Although I'm not sure whether I would choose to use it or not. Um, it's sure nice to always have that keyboard with you, though. That's the killer feature of it. Yeah, I mean, this is the first iPad that I would genuinely consider using as a main uh, a main computer on a trip. Previous to this, I've I've occasionally feel that. Nope. I'm really excited to see if it is a computer I can use on my main trips because previously I have tried to take a full-size iPad on a trip and it just it doesn't quite work. Uh, with the new iOS 9 multitasking features, no drag and drop is unfortunate. But in general, I really think that the iPad Pro has the potential to do a lot of what I would normally do while traveling. The fact that the keyboard dock is there, or the keyboard dock, the, is it the smart keyboard cover? Is that the official smart name keyboard. for it? Smart keyboard. Yeah, smart keyboard. Okay, for, we're, no, we're no longer going it's into Boston, covers. the smart keyboard. Yeah, so um, the smart keyboard, I, I think that the reason they took so long to do it is honestly they didn't... Um, they didn't feel like they could do it well up until this year. I mean, this this past year we saw the new MacBook and we saw the the new butterfly key design. And I kind of feel like before then we've seen a lot of people try and make keyboard covers with limited varying success. And a lot of them are just not fun and enjoyable to type on. And I'm kind of hoping that because they finally sort of like cracked the ultra thin keys for the MacBook, they're like, okay, now we feel like we can put out a keyboard cover that doesn't suck. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting choice because with this development, it's closer than ever to a MacBook, uh, especially as you you know talk about things like the weight compared to the sort of ultra-portable MacBook, um, the fact that it's got a keyboard, all these multitasking uh, productivity features. Um, it's interesting because it gets closer and closer to the point where you can just make your decision based entirely on which OS you want to use. Uh, so the iPad can increasingly do everything that you might want to do on your Mac. Um, and it still has the benefits of being lighter and kind of more modular. So it really comes down to a, 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 a decision about software. Uh, I, I like Jason. I don't think I'd ever trade a actual Mac keyboard for this, but it's not bad in a pinch. Um, the main com competition, as far as I'm concerned, is Bluetooth keyboards because those already, already work pretty darn well with iPads. 
Um, they're usually pretty lightweight and easy to uh, to carry around. They can be a little bit clunky. I use one with my my iPad Mini, and obviously I'm carrying around two very different sized objects rather than sort of one unified whole. Uh, but it's it's a smart move from Apple, especially because they've been pushing really hard on this enterprise angle with the deals with Cisco and IBM. And so saying, look, this isn't just a toy or just a thing that gets deployed in certain scenarios. You can use this as a computer to actually get your work done uh, is a big argument for them. And I think this is also a big uh, niche because they're trying to still figure out exactly what to do with the iPad in the face of some of the uh, sales, lack of sales growth they've been experiencing. So it's an interesting attempt, and I, I look forward to seeing how it pans out. Well, and I think two things make this more feasible than before in terms of a, a, a keyboard. And one, Ren touched on by saying, you know, a lot of these features are OS 9, iOS 9. So we've, with iOS 9, we're getting multitasking and split screen view and things that make it more of a productivity machine where you'd say, I really need a keyboard with this. And then um, the other thing, as you also mentioned, is that now they've got these really super thin keys, which make it feasible to have like real keys in that thin of a space. And also, I think the third thing is that the, the iPad is now big enough that you can have a full-size keyboard in a case, whereas all of the keyboard cases for the Air are all scrunched down and smaller. Um, and then the one under, other interesting thing I just learned is that Logitech just sent out a press release, and they've been working with Apple, and Apple has apparently opened this, the what do you call it, the smart connector? Yeah, mm -hmm. the three um, little to dots. To third-party vendors. Really? And, and Logitech has announced today their own keyboard case for That's it. That's very so cool. So if you don't like those keys, like some of us don't, uh, you can actually get a better third-party keyboard. Wow, news breaking here on Clockwise. That's amazing. We, we, have, we have time for uh, our bonus topic. Before they do, we do that, I want to tell you our bonus topic this week, sponsored by the good people at 12 South, the high-rise deluxe uh, for iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. That's right. Maybe the best charging dock made for the iPhone. And yes, it works with the new iPhones because of the flexible and future-proof high-rise lightning dock. The lightning connector adjusts in height to work equally well with iPhones in or out of a case. There's a pedestal-based design that holds the front camera about six inches off the desk for better hands-free FaceTime video calls versus other docks that hold the iPhone flat to the desk. Doesn't block any port or mic on the bottom, lets you connect your favorite headphones or have clean, clear speakerphone calls. And it comes with a, both a lightning cable and a micro USB, handy for charging those backup batteries. It costs $59.99 with both lightning and micro USB cables included, and it is available in silver, black, and hmm, rose gold. How about that? And if you use the code six colors, one word, you can get $6 off of your high-rise deluxe dock. Now, it's time for our bonus question, and our bonus question is this. Winners and losers of the keynote, tell me something that you think was a big winner today. You can anthropomorphize this any way you like, and also something that was a loser for some reason, maybe didn't get a lot of love, whatever. I'm interested in your winners and losers. I'm going to start with loser because it's been on my mind all keynote, and that is Adobe for their completely tone-deaf, terrible presentation of the iPad yeah. Pro um, using a using their you know very good tools uh, for photo correction to essentially make a woman smile. And for people who don't really understand why this is annoying, um, clearly you have never been a woman on the street yelling for people yelling at you, hey, you should smile more. And it was it was tone deaf. Now we have creepy offensive. software to make you smile. Yeah, pretty much. It was inadvertently offensive. I don't think anybody at Adobe was like, we, we want to make people Your mean, response now is take a picture and put a smile on me then. You can do that now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so sadly, uh, winners of this event, I, I, I think the style, you know, artists. St artists. artists. All right, good. 
Uh, losers, I think, include uh, Adobe for all the good me- reasons mentioned there, and Microsoft. I love that both Microsoft and Adobe, former you know Apple competitors, Apple sort of invites them up to kind of defang them. Be like, we don't even see you guys as competitors. Thanks for writing stuff for our platform. Um, so sorry, guys. Um, winners. Uh, I would say uh, anybody who likes TV, as I do, I think the Apple TV is going to be a big hit. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I, I'm sorry, little hockey puck second generation Apple TV, you may also be a loser because you're going to get replaced. Does it run tvOS, though? Maybe it's a semi-winner that way. For winners, I'm, I'm going to say Apple TV as well. In terms of, I'm defining winner here as the thing I most want to give my money for right now. I'm going to say Apple TV. Um, losers, I'm, I don't know if I would say loser, but where did, what happened uh, is, I'll, I'll say El Capitan, since everyone was expecting it to be at least talked about a little today. And the only thing it got was in a hidden email message that they previewed with 3D Touch, it popped up and said September 30th, and then it disappeared. So I guess we got our release date, but that's yep, all we, we got. Uh, Rene Ritchie, who was not here before, is suddenly here to give us winners and losers. Surprise. <gasps> winners and losers? So the winners for me is how Apple's leveraging their existing technologies like continuity, like extensibility, like size classes, truly do a lot of amazing things from security and privacy to whole new interfaces on the iPad Pro. The losers is that we don't get all this stuff now today, because as much as I don't want to review it immediately, I-, I want it in my hands now. Give me styluses. And I'm going to say winner. Apple Watch. It's been a year since it was announced. I think it's good that it got not a new Apple Watch, but some new colors, new bands. I think that gives it some momentum going into the holidays. And loser, it's the iPad Air. Didn't get an update. It get, now it knows how the iPad Mini felt last year. She was on the other foot now, iPad Air. Maybe you deserved it. I don't know. Does the iPad have feet? <laughs> no, but it has shoes. It's smart shoes. They are smart shoes. They are attached through the uh, through the lightning connector. All right, Dan. I think we've done a live clockwise at an event while we're all standing up. That is about the only thing I can say conclusively about this. <laughs> yes, right. Well, well, we'll let the analyst decide how we did. Uh, but it is left for us to thank our guests, Serenity Caldwell. Thank you for taking half an hour out of your post-event schedule to be on Clockwise. Thank you for having me on Clockwise. It was a lovely grove. Beautiful day. Yeah. Nice trees. And Dan, thank Dan Freaks. Thank you for so much for being here on Clockwise. Thank you. I'm glad to be here in this mini reunion. Yes, we were we were all here. We're here again. We Thanks. all made it. We're <laughs> all alive. Hey! And thanks to Renee Ritchie for being our special bonus guest. Thank you, Jason. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, until next week, we will only remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.